This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are nearing the century mark in episodes for the Show Before the Show podcast from MILB.com. We're not there yet. Not there yet. Episode number 97, that's this one. Uh, but Sam and I just did some very exciting math and realized that we're going to be either at or going to spring training for episode 100, which is really great. That's coming up next month. Sam just booked his trip today. Hi, Sam. Hi, Tyler. Yeah, it's Sam Dykstra. Exciting. I'm Tyler Mon. Um, yeah, so what are what are your dates? When are you going? I am going March 7th to the 17th. See, and I'm uh, so jealous you're doing a long slog. I, I think last year I did eight days, something like that. You're doing like 10, 11 days, which I'm so jealous of. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, and I, I still kind of feel bad because I'm not going to get to see every team down there. I mean, obviously, there's only two states that do spring training. So, right. you know, there's uh, upwards of a dozen in each each league. But, um, yeah, I'm still I'm going to get out to see – the Yankees, Phillies, Braves, Red Sox, Pirates, Mets, Astros, Nationals, and Cardinals. So it is very much going to be a whirlwind. Uh, splitting my time between Tampa and Palm Beach. Going to be going to all the outposts in between there. But uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad it's finally officially in the books and on my credit card, as it were. <laughs> well, if you're not a big spring training nerd like we are, Sam, obviously, as he described, is going to Florida to cover the Grapefruit League. Josh Jackson and I will be going to Arizona, um, looking like probably the 12th to the 17th or 18th-ish for me. I'm not sure about Josh, uh, but yeah, we're, uh, we've got a little bit of a luxury going to the Phoenix area because all the teams are so tightly clustered right around Phoenix, whereas in Florida, they're kind of spread statewide almost, not the entire state obviously but uh it's a long haul between you know the northern and southernmost ballparks in the in the grapefruit league so you've got a longer time period which i'm jealous of but also a lot more driving which i am not yeah uh and you know as a new yorker i don't get to drive much so you know i, I enjoy driving driving is an opportunity to, for me to catch up on a lot of podcasts um not our podcast i don't i'm not gonna sit there and listen to things <laughs> Just in case anybody thinks I'm that kind Especially of... Especially when you're the smart one. I listen to ours because I get to listen to Sam. But Sam listening to Sam, like, you already have all of your information. I mean, I listened to you the first time around. Are you saying you don't listen to me the first time around? No, you, I, I never listen to you. The second trip? I never listen to you, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my feelings are just hurt. But, uh, no, I, I like the long drive. Like, one of my favorite trips last year was going to St. Lucie. Uh, I stayed in Tampa, drove to St. Lucie, and then drove back the same day. Uh, which was a very long trip, and especially when the clubhouse doors open at like eight o'clock. Yeah, you're three hours away. Um, but yeah, yes. no. That, yeah. So trying to do a little bit better job of that this this year. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. If anybody is in any of those places the week, you know, uh, between the seventh and the seventeenth, give me a shout. We'll try to find you. Uh, you know, have a chat. Always happy to talk baseball. Anything else that's on your mind, uh, be really cool to meet a couple listeners in real life in that way. So uh, yeah, give us a shout. And uh, Josh and I echo, echo those sentiments. Um, we will also talk 
about you know like uh nerdy old theaters as josh and i generally discuss books that you've read josh and i discuss a lot of that we'll talk about a lot <laughs> dorkier stuff um because uh you know we're we're good that way um hey and as sam noted good time driving around catching up on podcasts that's something that you could do as well if you are headed to spring training or literally any other time you have a, a free hour and we are actually uh we're gonna go on a on a little review push because we've been on itunes for now this will be our third full season um we had a blitz of good ratings and reviews at the end of last season, like right after the season ended into the Arizona fall league and into the holidays, maybe it was just the, the good holiday cheer, but we had like 10 people go on to give us uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes. And uh, since then we haven't had one since December. So if you tune into the podcast, if you like the podcast, uh, head on to iTunes, give us a rating and a review and a subscription. Um, you can also review us. I know on the stitcher app and I believe on other podcasting uh, apparatuses, that's not at all the term, but whatever. Apparati? Apparati. Sure. Yeah. Applications. Um, with those, you can also give us a rating and a review and a subscription. And uh, so go do us a favor and do that because it helps us know what uh, what you guys are liking, what you're expecting. And uh, especially as we get closer and closer to a season, that's really good for us to know. Um, so we can continue to, uh, you know, try to be fresh, be hot, be cool. Right. And it's, it's not just us either. It's, you know, pe- more people are going to be looking for right. baseball stuff. You know, podcasts are becoming more popular. So hopefully people are looking for podcasts, you know, for baseball season, looking for stuff to prepare for the season. We like to think there's no better way than, you know, to prepare to know guys than know them in the minors, uh, know them, you know, through our podcast by rating us, reviewing us, whatever, spreading the word, however you can. Uh, you're letting others know that that we're out there. That we're here every week, um, bringing you interviews, bringing you the news as it comes, um, and yeah, the, you know, it's it's not just us that you're helping. It's hopefully other people who are looking for this kind of stuff because we do know they're out there. You're out there. You, if you are listening to this, you are evidence that people are out there, and we want other people like you to find us. So. Plus, when your guys like uh, not so much Sam being young and handsome and smart when you're guys like me and benjamin hill and you're caught in a 24-hour day existential crisis of wondering am i a loser in the world uh then you get reviews like this which really help no this is more just emblematic of what sam was saying if you haven't been in the prospect world if you haven't learned a lot about the minor leagues if you aren't always keeping tabs on who's coming this was our most recent review on itunes it's from jason hensley 35 quote as a longtime baseball fan i never got into the minor leagues much outside of imminent prospects about to reach the majors this past year, I changed that, and this podcast got me caught up really fast. And then he compliments us, uh, which I'm not going to read because that will seem self-serving. But he does end by saying this podcast is one of the top highlights of my week. So if you're excited to get a chance to nerd out about baseball prospects in a way that you haven't already in your baseball fandom, uh, then welcome aboard. And we're glad to have you along for the ride for 2017. And with that, he's Sam Dykstra. I'm Tyler Mon. It's episode number 97 of the Show Before the Show podcast from MILB.com. And we will start, as always, with three strikes. And we'll start it on a downer note, sadly, but uh, from MILB.com's own Sam Dykstra. Quote, what was supposed to be a season full of promise for Alex Reyes will not come to fruition. The Cardinals announced Wednesday morning that MLB.com's number six overall prospect will undergo Tommy John surgery on his pitching elbow. A 22-year-old right-hander will miss the entire 2017 season as a result, making a return in time for opening day in 2018, a best-case scenario. He's the top pitching prospect in baseball. Alex Reyes, Sam, of course, has had 
a lot extenuating already that's gone on in his career, a couple of suspensions. This is a guy who kind of he put a lot on the line uh, in high school, left. He's from Elizabeth, New Jersey, left, moved to the Dominican Republic and was signed as an international player that way. Um, and that doesn't happen very often for a guy to say, no, I'm, I'm good to, to bet on myself. I think I can get enough money on the free agent side rather than going through the draft. That was kind of a gamble in its own right. Um, then comes into pro ball, flashes all of the good stuff, but it's come along with a lot more for Alex Reyes than just what we've seen on the mound. And this is a really unfortunate latest turn. Yeah, just just the timing of it um, you know, is, is really unfortunate just because – you know, this was a guy that we were talking about as, you know, the number five starter in the Cardinals rotation and with the stuff to certainly climb higher than that. It's more just he was number five because he was the least experienced. You know, he, he got uh, 65 or excuse me, 46 innings with a big league club last year. Only five of his 12 appearances, though, were starts was still really good in that time. Uh, you know, put a, a 1.57 ERA. We're striking out more than a batter an inning at 52 strikeouts and 46 innings. Had some control issues, but, you know, he, he is still young at 22. Seemed like he had all the potential in the world. Uh, entering this season w- was kind of the leader in the clubhouse to take that job. It was pretty much him against Michael Waka, who's coming off his own injury concerns, and Luke Weaver, who's also a top 100 prospect, uh, but doesn't necessarily have the stuff Reyes does or the size for that matter. Uh and so, you know, what you kind of read from my lead is, you know, this was supposed to be such a promising season for him. And it before it even gets started, I mean, he showed up to camp, was supposed to have a throwing session and told club officials, hey, my elbow doesn't feel right. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa we're going to hold you off today. We're going to get you an MRI. And then the MRI reveals that, you know, it's a complete tear. It's not just a partial tear. You know, some guys have tried to pitch through partial tears in their UCLs. Uh, I think Masahiro Tanaka is one of them. Um, so there was hope that maybe it was just a partial one. No, this is a complete one. It's going to knock him out 12 to 18 months. Uh, you know, like I wrote in the, in the piece, you know, best case scenario, the Cardinals are hoping that he'll be back for opening day next year. Uh, maybe even throwing by winter time, but you know, that's that's absolute best case scenario. It's, everybody's body reacts differently to surgery. Uh, we don't know if we won't see Alex Reyes back on a mound, major league or minor league until, you know, the all-star break next year for all we know. So, yeah, it's just it's really unfortunate. Uh, just to go back to the timing thing, uh, he was also scheduled to pitch for the Dominican Republic in this year's World Baseball Classic. Uh, our colleague Danny Wilde did a Q&A with Reyes a couple weeks ago. Talk to him about that opportunity, uh, what that was going to be like. He seemed really excited, you know, to go and pitch for the DR on on a big stage like this, uh, especially a young kid, you know, taking uh, being a part of a, a team that is, I think, favored to win it. If you had to to look at the rosters right now, I think the Dominican Republic is kind of favored to win the whole thing. They went undefeated through the 2013 tournament. They haven't lost a WBC game in eight years. Yeah. So, and you look at the roster now; it's still really good. I mean. Some of the guys aren't there anymore, obviously, but it's still good. It's still young. Alex Reyes was going to be a part of that. Now he's not. Uh, just really unfortunate. Now we have to see what the Cardinals are going to do for their rotation. You know, now is it automatically Michael Walk is in? They were saying some good things about him today. Uh, does Luke Weaver get a longer look? 
I know he really struggled in the majors last year, but out of just straight roster necessity, you know, does he end up making the major league roster? We'll have to see, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of unfortunate that we're going to be talking about Alex Reyes as, as still a prospect uh, come the 2018 season. And as Sam noted, I think it is really important to to keep in mind for Cardinals fans, this is a very highly regarded um, and very highly valued prospect, obviously. So he's not going to be rushed. Um, and I think, like Sam pointed out, opening day 2018 is very much best case scenario. Um, it sort of unfortunately transitions us well uh, to talk about our guest coming up here in a little bit today, who is Hunter Harvey, now the third-ranked prospect uh, in the Baltimore Orioles organization, who's coming off of Tommy John surgery last July. So we'll sort of hear what this process is like from somebody who's been through it and is going through it. We've talked to guys who have had Tommy John surgery. Uh, Jeff Hoffman really comes to mind as being kind of the guy we talked freshest out of that um, that spot in his career. We talked to him, uh, Jake and I, actually, back two years ago, right after he had uh gotten back on the mound from Tommy John surgery in 2014 um, then with the Toronto Blue Jays now with the Rockies but we've never talked to somebody as Sam pointed out in our pre-show email today who's still in the rehab process so we'll talk to Hunter Harvey a lot about that today uh, coming up here in just a little bit but for Alex Reyes you know this is it finally seemed like everything was behind him. He had the the 50 game suspension last year for marijuana use. He came out, owned up to that, uh, didn't get a season started until late. And then when he got out there, it hadn't phased him at all. And so you're really happy to see a guy taking advantage of the, the time that he had off the field, learning from that, and then being able to implement himself in not only uh, a case where he was learning at the AAA level, but then taking those lessons on the mound and applying them, like Sam said, in such a quality way at the major league level. Uh, but this is a giant bummer and a, and a huge one for the Cardinals who, uh, you know, had to watch their, their rivals win the world series last year, felt pretty good about where they were in the national league central for 2017. This is a big blow to that team. And, uh, Alex Reyes, we will not see him on a mound for quite some time. Strike two this week, Sam, as we noted a few minutes ago, we're both headed down to spring training along with Josh Jackson coming up next month. You're going to take the Grapefruit League. We'll be in the Cactus League. But baseball-wide, there's a lot of storylines going into the 2017 season. What right now, from a prospect and system perspective, stands out to you as the biggest in spring training? Yeah, I, I, I was starting to think about this today in terms of what are we going to kind of look for we kind of lay that out in terms of the prospect projections, you know, who's kind of on the line to make some teams and that kind of thing. But after today, I, I can't look past just health. You know, spring training, as much as we like to look at it as optimistic and an opportunity for, for a lot of these guys to kind of win jobs. Uh, I think a lot of times it's kind of decided before we're going into spring training, uh, spring training is especially long. Now there's, you know, opportunities to get injured and that's almost how sometimes these jobs are kind of won and lost is, you know, a player's going to get injured and that's going to be an opportunity for a prospect or a prospect's going to get injured in the case of Alex Reyes uh, and kind of decide his fate for him. So what I'm going to kind of be looking out for isn't so much, you know, how are there, what is spring training performance, you know, in the Grapefruit League, Cactus League? Uh, we can talk until we're blue in the face about what that actually means, but I'm not going to be looking so much at performance. I'm going to be looking at who can stay healthy, you know, who's going to be healthy throughout this and what injuries that obviously we can't foresee, you know, there, there are going to be guys who you, you know, that they're going to pull a hamstring and I can't tell you who that's going to be, or 
somebody, you know, we couldn't have told you that Alex Reyes is going to need Tommy John surgery. We don't have, uh, you know, we don't have access to his medical records or the fact that his elbow felt weird going in spring. So it, it's more an opportunity just to, to see how everybody's going to hold up what they, what they kind of look like and, uh, how those are, you know, what the domino effect of these injuries is going to be organizational wide or, or baseball wide, even is that going to open up some trades, that kind of thing. So I, I think maybe that's just recency. I mean, maybe if you would have asked me this on Monday, I would have a very different, very specific answer for you. But now with the, the, the way this Alex Reyes news has kind of shook the, the way we look at prospects and everything, I, I think it just comes down to health. Who's going to, who's going to be healthy come, you know, April, the beginning of April and the beginning of minor league opening day. No, I think it's very valid, and it's uh, an unfortunate way that we have to approach a season. And it seems like we've gone a few seasons now where somebody gets taken down in the early going like this, a spring training injury or a very early April injury where there's a top prospect that we've been excited to see who you know isn't going to have a full season, isn't really going to have much of a season. Um, but that's you know one of the unfortunate names of the game, uh, especially nowadays that people – are so much more focused on prospects. These injuries seem to feel, you know, 10, 15 years ago, a top pitching prospect needing Tommy John surgery would have been big news to that organization and to a subset of that team's fans, but not at a national level that it is now. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, just getting through March seems like it's a task in itself uh, health-wise for guys who are getting set for a new season. Uh, for me, I'm keeping an eye on reshaped organizations uh, and how the minor league systems look coming out of camp. And three in particular, the Chicago White Sox, who had this massive offseason where they acquired just top prospect after top prospect. Of course, Yohan Moncada uh, and Lucas Giolito being the top two of those. Michael Kopech could also be in that conversation. But I'm interested to see where those guys all land because they're all upper minor league to major league types of guys uh, for the most part. Kopech obviously uh, has pitched at much lower levels in his career, but last year um, got things really well on track with Salem in the Carolina League. So heading to double A is certainly not out of the out of the question for him um, with the White Sox. That seems like an offseason that could reinsert themselves into the conversation of competing in the American League Central far earlier than I think people would have thought this time last year. Although this time last year, you know, they were leading the division for the first six weeks of the season or whatever it was, so you never really know. Uh, but I think just having that infrastructure now in the system, whereas at the end of last year, it seemed like they were going to be in rebuild mode for a while, that front office has to be really excited about what they were able to net in return. Um, the other two systems that I've really been watching for a while, we've all really been watching for a while and waiting for them to break through, the Atlanta Braves and the New York Yankees. Um, the Braves continue to shore up every level of that minor league system. Dansby Swanson, obviously, is he is a legit guy at the major league level. Ozzie Albies uh, will presumably be there pretty soon. Saw some time last year with AAA Gwinnett, most of his time with AA Mississippi. But just beyond that, the, the raft of prospects that they have in that system is so strong. Uh, and for... Somebody made an interesting comparison that the Braves front office has so many holdovers from the kind of mid-90s Indians teams. And the Indians opened what was then Jacobs Field in 1995 – 
with a World Series appearance. And it seems like the Braves will be opening SunTrust Park in 2017. I'm kind of following that same mold. I'm not calling them going to the World Series this year, but they're going to have a competitive team to open a new facility and a lot of really exciting young talent. Um, so that is something to really keep an eye on. And for the New York Yankees, 2017 might just be a, a prologue to what we've got coming to New York in 2018 and 2019 and beyond, but there's just so much talent in that system right now. Glaber Torres is really exciting. Clint Frazier is really exciting. We saw what Aaron Judge was able to do last year. Gary Sanchez is like Mickey Mantle now behind the plate. Um, so that team, there's a ton just to watch on the prospect side. And then when you factor in that they have a payroll that is larger than the GDP of some small countries, then it's like, what is this team going to look like in three to five years? It's terrifying if I'm a fan of the AL East. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up the Braves. Um, you know, we're going to be doing our own farm system ranking, so I don't want to tip any scales or, or you know, show our hand or anything. But obviously, they're going to be pretty high up there when when we announce our overall uh, leaders for that cat, you know, for farm system rankings in a couple weeks. Uh, but it, it's going to be really interesting just to see the vibe of camp there. Uh, having gone last year, you know, spending time in the major league clubhouse was kind of weird because it, it was a mix of veterans. You know, there were guys who you kind of knew, everybody knew in that room that they weren't there to compete. They were just kind of there to to show face and, like, you know, put together a competitive effort. And if you're the young guys, you're there to get experience and know what it's like. You know, Dansby Swanson was there when I was there, Ozzy Albies. Uh, Sean Newcomb pitched the day I was there. Um, so everybody was just kind of getting experience. But the reports you hear about Atlanta camp now – and Orlando is kind of one of optimism, not in terms of, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to compete with the Nationals and Mets and win this NL East. But we actually think we can su surprise some people. Of course, we, I mean, the Braves, uh, you know, they actually think that they can sur surprise some people. And I, and I wonder what the triple trickle down effect is or if there's a trickle up effect, you know, looking at there's obviously optimism on the on the minor league side. There's a lot of, you know, hope there. There's a lot of promise uh, and is that pushing up to the majors saying, listen, if it's not this year, it's definitely next year. Or is it everybody just feels in a better place because they made some moves, they have a new stadium, that kind of thing. So that will definitely be one place I'm looking forward to going in a couple weeks. Strike three this week, Sam. The final prospect projections of 2017 arrived this week, the National League West and a division that has some systems that have a lot of shine to them. Uh, the Colorado Rockies, the San Diego Padres have some interesting prospects. Los Angeles Dodgers still have a lot of talent. Um, some kind of mid-level systems, uh, the San Francisco Giants. Then there's the Arizona Diamondbacks, who a lot of luster has fallen off of that system in recent seasons. Uh, you focused a bit on Jeff Hoffman from the Rockies' perspective. Uh, he led the column, but there are a lot of guys in this division that, you know, I think will sneak up on people somewhat this year. This is an interesting mix in the, in the NL West. Yeah, the thing about the NL West is there are definitely a lot of exciting prospects in, in this division. I mean, you look at the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger, you know, everybody thinks has a chance to be a legit all-star. Uh, the Padres have a couple of them, you know, in Manuel Margot and Hunter Renfro, and then they, they made a bunch of Rule 5 picks last year. They have three guys uh, who are going to be Rule 5 picks, so it's going to be really intriguing to see which of those three stick, if all three of them stick, if none of them stick, if you know, one does, whatever, how that's going to play out. Uh, but just to go back to what you said, kind of led the column this week was Jeff Hoffman. Because uh, actually, to take you behind the curtain a little, I was trying to figure out who I wanted to focus on for this, and I texted Tyler, you know, based out of Denver, 
who are Rockies fans more excited about? Is it Jeff Hoffman or Tom Murphy? Because Tom Murphy, you know, according to Steamer, has a legit chance to be the Rockies' best catcher this year, uh, at least offensively. Uh, they project him to have 20 homers over 450 plate appearances and a WRC plus of 86, so that's below average offensively, but for that position, that's still really good. Uh, so Steamer really likes Tom Murphy, but Jeff Hoffman is the better prospect. I mean, he's ranked, you know, he's a top 100 guy coming in at number 44, so he's even top 50. Uh, he has a l- lot of really solid pitches. Four of them received a 55 grade or higher. His fastball and his curve both got 60s, so I kind of wanted to delve into what does Steamer think about him, specifically coming off his you know 2016 season in which he really struggled in the majors. I mean, there's no way to kind of go around it. He had a 4.88 ERA, uh, 22 strikeouts, 17 walks, and 31 in the third innings. Gave up seven home runs in that span. The interesting thing from my vantage point is that five of those seven homers in the majors actually came away from Coors Field. So this is not artificially inflated numbers uh, in terms of you know playing his his home games in Denver. But uh, for Hoffman, you know, Steamer still really likes him. They they think he is going to be you know their their fifth best starter based on projections right now. Uh, they project him to have a 4.61 ERA, average 7.8 strikeouts per nine, better control than he showed in the majors last year at 3.6 walks per nine. And if you were to be given a full you know season slate of innings, which is 200 innings, he'd be worth two and a half wins, uh, or two and a half wins above replacement, two and a half four, obviously, uh, which is is pretty solid. I mean, coming off the struggles he had at, at and in the majors last year. Uh, he had a little bit of struggles at AAA Albuquerque as well uh, with a 4.02 ERA there and a 1.36 whip. That's fairly good for the PCL. It's kind of middle of the road. It's not exactly something you'd expect out of an exciting arm in the way of Hoffman with his package of pitches. But uh, the fact that the projections still think highly of him, uh, still think he can do okay in Coors is, is kind of interesting from my point of view. What I did for this column and specifically is I, I went back last year and I remember John Gray had similar issues. Um, and he, he received a positive projection a little bit better than Gray, than Hoffman's, I think. And he overperformed that he was slated to be worth 2.8 war. Hoffman was 2.5. Uh, but he went up and above those projections last year. Uh, so there is kind of hope that Hoffman can kind of build on this, kind of get comfortable at the major league level. If they decide to give him that number five spot, in the Rockies rotation. Um, you know, the way he pitches, he, he certainly has a chance to take that spot. If we're just looking at projections, I think he kind of deserved that spot. Uh, but you know, the Rockies want hometown pitching. That's, that's how they're going to get good pitchers. And, you know, they have a real shot here if everything works out in terms of the, the way projections work. And if Hoffman can even build on what he already has in terms of an arsenal, uh, they have a chance at having a really good one-two punch here in Gray and Hoffman. What else in that division stands out to you? Because the uh, you know there are big money teams and the Dodgers and the Giants really for the way they've spent over the last few years, but they've also been impacted a lot by prospects. Um, you know, you mentioned Cody Bellinger. Um, the Dodgers obviously were able to use a prospect and Jose De Leon to swing a deal at the major league level over the offseason. Is there anybody else that you really feel like maybe people aren't that high on right now? who is going to make some noise out of the other four teams in that division, especially the two that are more than likely going to be in the playoff push, which are the Dodgers and Giants. Yeah. So 
it still kind of amazes me, and I'm only bringing this up because it's it's funny to me that he's still a prospect. But Andrew Tolles was one of the cooler breakout stories last year, uh, and you know he was a guy who was cut by the Rays, he was signed by the Dodgers in I think September 2015. Um, so he took basically a year off from professional baseball, from minor league baseball. I was working in a grocery store back home. Yeah, comes back, you know. Starts out at Class A Advanced Rancho Cucamonga, ends up climbing his way all the way to the majors. Doesn't just do that, but actually performs really well. Hits a hits three fourteen with a three sixty five on base percentage and a five oh five slugging percentage in forty eight games for the Dodgers. I really think he's he's kind of has the inside track, as as funny as it sounds, to be the Dodgers starting left fielder on opening day, uh, which is just fascinating uh, given his background and where he's kind of come from, but. Uh, and, and his prospect status. I mean, at the end of last year, he's still the 26th ranked prospect in that system. Mind you, it's a very good system, but it's not often you hear the 26th ranked prospect is going to be your starting left fielder. I think he has a real chance to do that. Uh, sticking in that same system, I still really like Austin Barnes uh, just because he's fascinating in terms of what he can be. He, he plays catcher, but he also has time at second base, so he can be kind of a super utility guy. Uh, Steamer thinks he he would slot in perfectly right now as the Dodgers' backup catcher. Um, I, I I think even without the projections, he should probably get that job. Uh, they project him to be hitting 253, 324, 377 with a 93 WRC+. Uh, so even a better hitter than Tom Murphy would be, kind of surprisingly, given we know Murphy is kind of a, a bat-first type of catcher. Uh, Barnes would be even better than that. So... There, for a system that's built so much on you know top end talent, and you know they uh, graduated Corey Seager and Julio Urias last year. Uh, Cody Bellinger has a chance to graduate this year if everything clicks for him, and they move him to the outfield. It's these smaller piece guys that could end up being with the major league team for the entire season this year in uh, Tolls and Barnes. So that's up on the site right now at MILB.com. That is our final prospect projection of the 2017 season, which means the spring training is fully here, and we're just uh, about a week and a half away from games, which is awesome. And, uh, man, not even two months from opening day in minor league baseball. Eighth? <laughs> April 8th? April 8th, yeah. It's the day after my birthday this year. Last oh, year was my birthday. That's right. Last this year was your the birthday. Day after, yeah. That's right. It's the day after my birthday. I like it. I like it. So go get educated on prospect projections on MILB.com right now. One other note um, from an injury perspective uh, that I figured was a good one to toss in here is sort of a foul ball. But uh, last year's first-round pick from the Milwaukee Brewers system in Milwaukee's number two prospect, Corey Ray, still recovering from knee surgery in October. He's not expected to participate in Cactus League games. So if you're a Brewers fan, you were headed down uh, to Maryvale to check out some of your team's games. Corey Ray will probably not be out there, but um, looks like he should be set to go uh, in the regular season just uh, they're going to take it easy with Corey Ray for spring training tore the meniscus in his left knee back in October while sliding and in instructs um, but spent part of last season uh, 57 games with the class a advanced Brevard County Manatees who are no longer but uh, he could still be at that level could uh, ascend to double a this year we'll see how things go for Corey Ray who was really one of the most exciting talents in the draft last year out of Louisville and went in the first round uh, to the Milwaukee Brewers so that does it for three strikes in this week's edition of the show before the show podcast coming up 
we will talk with the former top prospect and currently, at least coming out of the 2016 season, the third-ranked prospect in the Baltimore Orioles organization, the young pitcher Hunter Harvey, who, though he is young, he has been through a lot. Uh, Hunter Harvey, in his major league career, projected, looked like he was going to be a frontline kind of guy and has really struggled with injuries over the last few seasons, but is on the road back from Tommy John surgery and last July. And we'll talk to the 22-year-old right-hander about his rehab process and what's next on the show before the show. To the Baltimore Orioles organization we go, and the third-ranked prospect in that system coming out of 2016 it was the right-hander Hunter Harvey joining the show. Hunter, how are you? Good. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks a ton for doing this. So we were talking a little bit last segment. Uh, obviously, there was some big news out of the uh, the Grapefruit League where the Orioles are also members. Um, and from a prospect standpoint, something you can kind of relate to with Alex Reyes of the St. Louis Cardinals having to undergo Tommy John surgery. You are well on your way back now, having had surgery on July 26th. Uh, where are you right now in the rehab process? How has it been to this point, and and what is your current status? I'm about eight weeks into throwing now. Uh, it's been slow, but uh, it's going really good. My arm's feeling great. Um, my body's feeling great. So, uh, you know, other than it being a long recovery, it's uh, everything's going good so far. I would think that looking back on July, this July to, to February probably feels longer than any July to February stretch in your entire life. I mean, for you to you know now be eight weeks back into throwing, what is the what's the progression like? I mean, if you could break it down into stages for people who don't understand what Tommy John rehab is like, what have you been doing since July to get to the point where you're throwing now? Well, the first about month, I didn't do anything. It was just sitting around and kind of you know letting it heal on its own. I come to Florida. After that first month, it was just a slow stretching phase. I mean, we didn't do a whole lot at all. I was at the field probably 30 minutes a day just doing a little light stretches. And then, uh, you know, we started getting a little more intense each time with stretching and grasping. And uh, I didn't get to start working out until probably, I want to say, about four or five months by the time I started throwing. And I uh, started throwing December 26th, and it's been a uh, long process for that. It uh, started off at 45 feet, lob tossing at the first two weeks, and then uh, got into 60 feet, and then two sets at 60, and three sets at 60, and now we're backing up to 75. So it's just been a long journey. Yeah, and when when you're talking about throwing from those distances, is it just throwing the ball back and forth, getting used to that motion again, or are you doing anything with pitches, anything like that? No, it's really the first couple of weeks we're just getting the feel of the ball again. Um, it, I wish I wish I had the video just to show everybody how how bad it really was. It, I mean, it <laughs> felt like I'd never thrown a baseball before, but uh, just now these last three weeks getting the feel of you know the good feel of a baseball again and feeling normal again. So, and what what was it initially like when you were? when you were told you would need Tommy John surgery last July, I mean, you were coming back, you had pitched a couple of games in the GCL. You were back with Aberdeen coming off another rash of injuries. What was that discussion? Like, how did, how did it kind of come about that you were going to need it? Uh, I mean, it was kind of tough. Uh, I had the uh, sports hernia surgery last year also. And uh, I made three starts in Aberdeen. And the, the first two were kind of shaky. Uh, I didn't really feel that great. And then the third one, you know, the velocity was back up. I felt like my command was coming back. My pitches were feeling good. And then, you know, I got there and my arm just locked up, man. It felt like it did in 2015 when it locked up and we just did the PRP injection. And, uh, you know, I went, flew out, went to the doctor the next day in Baltimore. And uh, 
the MRI was identical to the MRI we had in 2015. So they said, you know, we might as well just go ahead and go in there and fix it. And I quit putting it off. So uh, that's what we did. And it, the doctor, when the, I did it with Dr. D'Alessandro in Charlotte, and uh, when he went in, he said both the ends of my ligament were fine. The middle was just like mush. So the ligament wasn't really tore up. It was just really weak in the middle. For people who don't know, um, you know, kind of the specifics of it, Tommy John surgery is a, a replacement or a repair of the ulnar collateral ligament in the elbow. And the thing that's really crazy about it to me is that you take a tendon from somewhere else in the body and you put it into the spot where the UCL was in the elbow and you anchor it down and a tendon basically just learns how to be a ligament in your body, which is nuts. But one of the things I thought was interesting, Hunter, about your surgery is right after the surgery, Buck Showalter gave a quote in which he said, I'm fascinated by where they decide to take his tendon from. They took it from his hamstring. Sometimes they take it from below the knee. A lot of guys, it'll be a tendon that comes from the ankle or somewhere like that. But for you, it was your hamstring. And did, was there a reason yeah. behind that? Did they mention anything as to why that was? And is there any additional rehab that's involved in that versus what it would have been like had it come from your ankle? Um, apparently, coming out of the hamstring, it's just supposed to be a little bit bigger. I mean, not a whole lot, but just, you know, a little bit bigger compared to the other ones. And uh, uh, the rehab wasn't too bad. It was my leg did feel way worse than my arm did after surgery. I, it took me huh. a week before I can finally start putting good pressure on it. And, uh, you know, it just slowly built up. I mean, the first month I always had pain in my leg. So, But once uh, we got back from that, we did a little bit of rehab stuff with it just to make sure nothing, you know, happened in there. But, you know, it wasn't a whole lot to do with that it just kind of had to uh, go back to normal you mentioned when you had the mri last year it looked pretty well identical to what it was like in 2015 um i know that a lot of people will hear that and think well why wouldn't you just have tommy john surgery the first time it's not always that clear i mean that's not an easy answer but what was the decision process this time versus what the previous injuries were it was a flexor mass strain uh the the previous injury in your arm but what's the what's the difference really that pushed it to tommy john this time well, like like I said, it was the ligament wasn't really torn, so the first time they couldn't, they didn't know what it really was. They thought it was just strain. That's what they told us. It was just a strain. So uh, they didn't think we had to do surgery. Doctor Andrews at that time said that he thought it would heal just because of the way the MRI looked. Huh. And then once we did it again last year, and I had the same pain and everything come back, um, the doctors were just saying, I mean, there's a chance it could hold up for. You know, however many months I pitch, I like that, and then it's just going to keep giving out once I get to that full velocity. So they just thought I was better off to go ahead and get it fixed and not have to worry about it again. And when you're going through this whole process, particularly, you know, the rehab process when you're not allowed to pitch and the whole thing, I mean, what do you, what is something that kind of gets you through that process? What are you kind of thinking about? What are you missing about pitching? I mean, what what are you mentally during the whole rehab process? It's been a been a tough two years, but uh, you know, my talking. I call my dad every single day, and we kind of talk because you know he was he had a lot of injuries back when he played. My brother the same way. I talked to him a lot. His his career actually ended because of injuries. So you know, I have two guys that are I can talk to any time that you know keep my head up. And, you know, my mom's always staying on me, and you know everybody says they're praying for me. So you know, it's it's kind of tough when you haven't played in two years, uh, just rehabbing all the time, but. You know, I, I just look at it as, you know, everything's out of the way and hopefully, you know, nothing's going to stop me now. I'm going to come back to the Tommy John and pitch and hopefully uh, 
achieve my dream of pitching the big leagues. And, and um, you know, is there anybody you've kind of reached out to, or has anybody reached out to you in terms of advice? Uh, you know, that you can kind of pass along to somebody else going through this. I mean, there's so many guys going through Tommy John now. I'm sure it's it's almost like a mini club. But uh, what piece of advice do you find most helpful or what is something you would pass along to somebody else going through this? Well, I mean, what my dad always tells me, I mean, it's a regular thing now. So it's not, you know, back when he played, it was a little more scary because they didn't know much about it. But now it's just another surgery. So when, when they do this, I don't – I don't think there's nothing to, you know, really be scared of because they know what they're doing. You know, everything's just so advanced now that, it, you know, you're probably going to come back even better than you were because you're going to have 10 months of taking care of your shoulder and your elbow and your whole body. So it's, you know, it's 10 months of being out, but it's also 10 months of building everything up. So that's just one way that I look at it. Yeah, there you go. That, that works. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask, too, was, you know, the Orioles uh, had a, a really – premier pitching prospect a couple of years ago and Dylan Bundy when he was still a prospect obviously he's still with the team he's in the majors now uh, but he went through Tommy John surgery in 2013 have you reached out to him kind of talked about him through the process and how does it kind of help to know that a, a former top prospect in your system has kind of gone through this before yeah I was around him some that year I got drafted when he was coming back and then uh you know he texted me last year right around when I had my surgery and he you know just sent me a long message about everything and that if I ever need anything, I give him a call. But uh, you know, it's just an example of you know, Tommy John. You know, he can't he can knock you down, but it's gonna you're gonna come back. Because I mean, he had that. And now he's you know he's pitching the big leagues. He's doing pretty good. So you know, it's a little bit for him to come back. He got his velocity back a little later, but I mean, he's I feel like he's almost back to the normal Dylan Bunny now, and he's doing pretty good with it. Hunter mentioned his father and his brother, of course, his father, Brian Harvey, uh, and brother Chris. Chris spent some time in the Marlins organization, and uh, and your dad had such a long career in the big leagues, nine seasons, pitched with the Angels and with the Marlins, and having those guys to lean on, you kind of touched on on what it's like from uh, an injury perspective, but just the mental side of knowing what it's going to take to get through an injury, come back, you know, not just the rehab, but getting back on the mound. Coming back from Tommy John surgery, like you said, you have to rediscover basically how to perform a function i mean just having that in your family how impactful has that been for you to get to know that you can bounce stuff off of guys that it's not just you know yeah i've worked in the same organization as this guy it's oh i've been with these people my entire life what has that added as a dimension for you to get through it oh it's huge uh especially have my dad uh you know he kind of building me up all the time and uh just making sure that i don't get in my head too much about the surgery because I mean, it really is easy for this all this has been going on but getting somebody's head and really you know hurt your career so you know just having him be um, asking me any questions and him just being there to watch me throw because you know he's been watching me throw since i was little so if he can he can about see anything that i'm doing wrong and like i said the first couple of weeks when i wasn't throwing very good he could tell that i was still trying to protect my arms so i just wasn't throwing you know i wasn't uh, finishing good i was stopping while i was about mid throw and you know, he jumped on me about that. So, you know, just having him has been huge. I have to ask you this question. Uh, your dad has one of the most magnificent mustaches of the 80s and 90s in baseball. <laughs> what is the current stash situation like for Brian Harvey? It has not changed <laughs> as long as I've been alive. 
<laughs> it's been the same thing your entire 22 years. My entire life. That is phenomenal. I think my mom said he's had it since he was 22 or 23. <laughs> so the same Fu Man. He just that sends it up. That's all he does. That is incredible. If you forgot what Brian Harvey's stash looks like, go Google him and you will think, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember watching that guy when I was in middle school and it still looks just as magnificent today. Um, Hunter, when you're at this stage of rehab, you know, you mentioned you're, you go through uh, being able to just get out and throw. It's the first thing and rediscover how to do that and kind of teach your brain and your body how to do it again. Then you get to push back different lengths and get it into longer and longer toss. What are the, the steps from now? Because um, we talked about what it took to get here, but when do you get on a map? When do you start working on pitches? What, how does all that stuff stack up now as you get closer to, you know, being seven months removed now, eight months removed, the, the next stages of this? Um, to be honest, I really don't know a whole lot. Uh, I'm working with Dave Walker, and we kind of just go, you know, we take everything a week by week right now. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because, uh, you, know, you know, if I were to get a little bit of tightness and we want to slow down a little bit. Because right now my main concern is, you know, getting healthy and, uh, making sure everything feels good. But uh, I think they last time I've heard anything, they were talking about probably July when I'd be in the game. So, um, but I, that's not a, it's not a hundred percent right, but I'm just taking a, taking a guess. But, you know, we're just trying to stay week by week and uh, just make sure everything keeps going good. So. Well, when you do get on a mat, I mean, I don't want you to get too ahead of yourself, but what is kind of the benchmark going to be for you when you know you're fully back? I mean, you're, is it, you know, one particular pitch is going to feel right or you're going to hit a certain velocity? I mean, when you're thinking about when you're going to be back, what does that kind of look like in your mind? I'm really just, you know, filling the mound and getting a feel for my fastball again because I feel like that's the most important pitch is being able to command the fastball. Um, that. You know, that's just going to be the main thing, especially getting back up on a mound. It's going to be a little awkward because it's been so long. So, you know, just finding my rhythm and, you know, finding everything on the mound and making sure everything's still smooth. And uh, I'd say once my mechanics and then the fastball come in and get back, I'll say that that's probably about when. He is Hunter Harvey, who left the 2016 season as the third-ranked prospect in the Baltimore Orioles organization. And uh, we got more organization rankings coming up toward the end of the month for the O's and everybody else in Major League Baseball. And, uh, Hunter, we're wishing you all the best, man. You've been so much fun to watch in your minor league career so far. And uh, hopefully this is the last setback on the road to Baltimore. And uh, we'll be seeing you throughout the, the minors and then the big leagues real soon, man. Take care and best of luck continuing the rehab. And thanks for doing this with us today. Yep, thanks for having me. That was a really good conversation uh, with Hunter Harvey. I really was uh, very fascinated to hear the intricacies of the rehab process from somebody who's in the uh, heat of it right now. He's on Twitter, by the way, at Hunter Harvey 35. Um, and not only that, but again, you can uh, Google his dad, Brian Harvey, and check out the mustache. I should have asked Hunter Harvey if he's ever going to attempt to grow a similar mustache, but neither here nor there. Uh, Benjamin Hill, a fan of, of uh, all things wild and wacky baseball facial hair. Do you remember Brian Harvey's mustache? Um, no, I remember Brian Harvey, but, uh, his mustache, I don't remember. It's like a good duster. It was like a good, uh, he had the, it was like a whole biker thing went down to the chin. Not a, not a Fu Manchu. Cause that comes off the chin, but it went, it was like a trucker stash. It was good.
It's good. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, I do remember it. Maybe because Sam just Googled I images and, and showing I'm, it to him and right I'm looking now, at it. Yeah. I do remember this picture that I'm currently looking at. Uh, well, Benjamin Hill is here to discuss the latest and greatest in the world of minor league baseball business, and we're going to start things off in the South Atlantic League, where, as Ben noted, uh, 2018 could see our first new ballpark in minor league baseball since 2016. We've discussed a few times this year, no new ballparks opening, but next season. Could be seeing a new one for the Augusta Green Jackets of the South Atlantic League. And uh, tell us about this. It's uh, a very minor league baseball 21st century plan. It's not just a ballpark. It's kind of a whole district. Tell us about it. Yeah. And, and also, I think we need a, a caveat about uh, ballpark, new ballparks and that we do have a new ballpark in 2017. Right. Uh, it yeah, comes with an asterisk. <laughs> it um, That's I mean, the... Hartford Yard Goats with, you know, knock on wood are set to actually play at home this year. So that will be the debut of Hartford's Dunkin' Donuts Park in 2017, a little later than planned. But um, we will see something new this year. Uh, 2018 has nothing uh, set in stone by any means, but the best bet right now is uh, the Augusta Green Jackets, who currently play in Augusta, Georgia. There is now a plan for them to uh, move across the river, across the state line into South Carolina and play in North Augusta. And uh, that's part of a large project called uh, a development project called Project Jackson. Um, it's about $200 million project overall on the waterfront. Um, you know, it calls for the ballpark for the Green Jackets being the centerpiece of it, but it also, of course, calls for the you know the live-work-play mix that is so central to these things. Um, uh, residential areas, a uh, senior living senator, sen- not a senator, uh, <laughs> a center, and there might be a senator living in the senior living center. You never know. Um, Can't rule anything out. Yeah, you know, uh, bars, restaurants, plenty of shopping, you know, outdoor common areas, et cetera, et cetera. But the centerpiece would be, a home for the Augusta Green Jackets, and Project Jackson has been in the works for years and years and years and years, uh, at least four years publicly it's been mentioned. I'm sure it was behind the scenes before that, but the North Augusta City Council uh, approved the project at the end of January. There might still be a few uh, I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed, but they are very, very close to making this happen. Um, infrastructure has uh, – con- infrastructure uh, construction has uh, – has already commenced. Uh, you know, nothing, no groundbreaking ceremony yet. Nothing that that you can see that's tangible. But uh, if they adhere to the timeline, which seems kind of ambitious here that we're talking in February 2017 to have a ballpark open for 2018, but that's the timeline they're aiming for now. So we could see, to sum it all up, a new ballpark in the South Atlantic League in 2018 for the Augusta Green Jackets. And, of course, last year we had a new ballpark in the South Atlantic League for the Columbia Fireflies. And on the docket is a new ballpark for the Kannapolis Intimidators in 2019. Um, So if things go according to plan, um, South Atlantic League is currently leading the pace for uh, new ballparks here in the latter half of the 20-teens. One interesting note, uh, Baseball America's J.J. Cooper tweeted when the news broke that the construction had been approved for this Green Jackets ballpark. Uh, he said, quote, when I covered the Sally League in the 90s, there were five Sal teams in Georgia, and before long there will be one, which would be the Rome Braves. So kind of an interesting note, as this will technically be across the river in South Carolina, as Ben mentioned. Um, but Ben notes in this column that as of right now, the plan says – the ballpark will be open in time for the 2018 campaign. Now, if I am reading my calendar correctly, it's mid-February in 2017, and I'm not saying it can't be done, but doesn't part of you kind of just want to call and be like, 
hey, maybe just say 2019 for right now. Like, maybe just for now, given El Paso and given scranton Wilkesbury and given Hartford and given all these things, like, maybe just we're, we're not in a rush. You know, I'm sure the people would love to have it there in 2018, but it kind of it feels so uh, feels so dicey when it's that way. It does. And we don't have a good recent track record in minor league baseball as regards stadiums opening on time. We had uh, El Paso delayed in 26 in 2015. Uh, wait, wait, I'm getting the timeline mixed up. <laughs> Excuse me. El Paso delayed in 2014. Biloxi delayed in 2015. Hartford delayed in 2016 for the entirety of the season. Um, I think it might be better to err on the side of caution, but I don't know the ins and outs of this scenario. Uh, it was reported when the project was approved that 2018 is uh, is the set goal right now, but I would not be surprised if that does get pushed back. And, hey, I wouldn't be shocked either if they make it happen. You know, We'll just have to wait and see. But the bottom line is, is that uh, we are coming very, very close to seeing the Green Jackets come out of uh, get out of Lake Olmstead Stadium, where they've been since '95, and come to a new park in North Augusta. I visited Lake Olmstead Stadium a couple years back, and um, you know, when a stadium's built in 1995, it's tough to say like, oh, it's unplayable, because of course it's playable. Um, but it's a stadium that, quite honestly, doesn't have a lot of character, and it's on a beautiful park. Um, I don't know if it's Olmstead Park, but uh, the Olmstead for whom it is named. Um, you know, is a, a public park planner and a uh, a master of uh, of uh, urban design and space layouts and uh, public spaces. So it's a beautiful area, but not the best uh, uh, ballpark uh, in the South Atlantic League by any means. And uh, I think the team would be well suited for a new ballpark, but we'll just have to wait and see. I think we should end all these type segments by just saying, saying we'll, just, we'll have just have to wait, wait and see. see. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought up like Olmstead Park cause, or Stadium because. Uh, what about it exactly makes it kind of uh, ready for something brand new like this? I mean, it, it seems like 95, you know, it just seems like uh, it's only two decades ago. What what lends itself to need that kind of fresh new facility? Well, as I said, it, it's a very nice environment that the ballparks around uh, surrounded in right now. Um, but there is nothing in terms of you know, public space and uh, there's a lake and it's, 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 it's very nice and appealing, but there is literally nothing around it as regards any other businesses. Yeah. Um, it really can't spur any other sort of economic growth in the area. Um, in terms of getting people to the stadium, you really have to say like, come to the stadium specifically. It can't be part of a larger area in which people would naturally be inclined to visit. And uh, the ballpark itself, even though it was built in 95 and I'm not a proponent of just like tear it down, get a new ballpark. It's not one. Some of those, some ballparks from that era, um, you know, were kind of ahead of the head of their time at the time, and still really hold up now. But that stadium is not the 360 degree concourse and the open spaces. Um, it doesn't really fit into the model of minor league baseball as it's evolved, uh, particularly in the 21st century, as regards being a more open air entertainment destination that uh, you know will will capture the entertainment dollar that is controlled often by mom. And maybe mom would more like to go to Project Jackson to a live, work, and play environment. All right. Well, we'll kind of pivot. There's there's no real way I could segue here. So we're just going to pivot now to the fact that, you know, it was Valentine's Day week this week. Um, and, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey sequel, uh, was it Fifty Shades Darker, came out last weekend. And What was it, Sam? 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 I have no, no idea. I have no That's idea. I saw John Wick 2 and Lego <laughs> Batman last week. That's what I... I I saw translation. Translation. Sam saw Fifty Shades Darker twice, and there's no shame in that. I I did not see it. (laughs) Anyway, Sam took the time to read the book again. Yeah, 
I, I just can't be let down that way again. You know, I, I read the book the, the first time and you know, I don't want to be let down like I was with the first movie. Anyway, Myrtle Beach is finding a way to try to capitalize on this with its own promotion. You can explain this better than I will. So, you Well, you know, hey, I've been doing this job too long. And, uh, of course, when Valentine's Day comes around um, in minor league baseball, we see a lot of teams do uh, variations on a theme. And the most common uh, thing that teams do is they have the mascot deliver uh, Valentine's to uh, someone's office. And uh, we'll get into that later. Um <laughs> But that's been done for years, and you know, teams, you know, will post goofy valentines on Twitter and social media that you could, you know, enlarge and print out and give if you wanted to, uh, that sort of thing. Um, I can't recall seeing anything, you know, really crazy in recent years that uh, captured my attention. And then Myrtle Beach comes along. Um, Fifty Shades Darker came out on Valentine's Day, so Myrtle Beach comes out with Fifty Shades of Baseball, and it offered. They offered. Um, well, you know, the tagline was don't have a vanilla relationship, have a baseball relationship. And, uh, in the press release, you know, it was looking for a way to introduce your, her to your world. Do you fantasize about having a private date at home plate or the luxury of a private suite? Don't get handcuffed, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, they're really playing up the, uh, erotic S and M themes of this movie uh, for a minor league baseball promotion. And we don't see those w- worlds intertwine uh, quite often. If ever. And uh, so they offered for $500, you would have, quote, exclusive private access on the playing field. And for $250, which seems like a better deal, you get in the home clubhouse for an hour, exclusive and private. And when you're tying that into Fifty Shades of Grey and Valentine's Day, exclusive private access in the home clubhouse, you're basically saying, come to the ballpark and um, (laughs) make love. So I need to check in with the uh, with the Pelicans to see how many people uh, took them up on this offer. But uh, I wrote about it immediately. They dropped the press release for this at like 5.30 on a Friday, which is usually the time when uh, suspended minor league players get announced and news is buried. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe they were like, oh, I don't know, should we go through with this? Let's drop it on the five, at 5.30. Somebody went rogue and said, yeah. It. yeah, so I got decent traffic on my own blog post about it but i kept waiting for it to go viral and it didn't and i was surprised i thought a lot more uh you know your yahoos and uh si's and uh you know your more mainstream sports publications would uh pick up on this for quick blog posts and uh twitter twitter posts and stuff like that and they didn't and so now it's my job to do the work as i always do to find out how this went but the myrtle beach pelicans love you guys Fifty Shades of Baseball, and uh, who knows what happened. This this really does seem like, especially because Valentine's Day came on a Tuesday, yeah, it really seems like you should have dropped it on Monday. It could have blown up. Um, but, yeah, private exclusive access in a suite, the home clubhouse, or the playing field. Uh, ben asked before we started recording, since uh, that's my alma mater. It was my first minor league job. I was in Myrtle Beach for three seasons. Ben asked if I'd ever had an erotic experience on the field of Myrtle Beach. And I said, I interviewed you once on the field of Myrtle Beach, Ben. I guess that's probably as close as I got. Uh, so with that, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Ben. I was not present for this because I do not live in New York City. But... Ben got a special visitor at the offices at Milb headquarters the other day to deliver love in a way only minor league baseball can. Ben, tell us about your about your visit. 
Well, um, you know, as I said, uh, of course, I've been covering minor league baseball for a long time, and uh, I'll cover the Valentine's endeavors as they occur. And um, I might make passive-aggressive tweets about how I am single and uh, how no one loves me and how no one will deliver Valentine's to me uh, <laughs> at the office by a mascot or otherwise. So on Monday, I was just uh, doing my job per usual, and I hear a stomping noise coming down the hallway. And I see people's heads start to turn, and lo and behold, it was Scooter, mascot of the Staten Island Yankees, who made a special trip to our uh, Chelsea Market headquarters here in Lower Manhattan to deliver me, poor lonely old me, with a uh, half dozen roses and uh, some gluten-free treats because I have a disease, as you know, an Applebee's gift card and uh, some cannolis for the office. And... Uh, all joking aside, I found it very touching that someone would uh, take that time for me. Yeah, that's right. and, and it's and, not easy. Like, going from Staten Island to Chelsea Market, like especially while carrying around a gigantic cow costume, like, it's not like this was an easy thing for them either. Costume? Yeah, what are, what are you talking about this costume? A mascot. I said costume. I meant mascot. Carrying around, because I assume you got to carry him on. To, there's that bag he, rule he on the is, He's a no, cow. No, he's no, 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 no. You can't have animals just out on the subway. You have to have them in a bag, remember? I, That's a rule don't, now. You don't live here, Tyler. You don't know what's on our subways. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't come into this conversation like you know what's happening on the New I'm York. I'm trying to save myself because I said costume, Sam. Come on. He came on his own accord. Took his own ferry. free will, took the ferry, took the subway, you know, handled the whole trip just to deliver a little love to me. And I still have the roses in my office, and I plan on keeping them on my desk for as long as possible, which might be months or even years. I think you should dry them and hang them upside down like a like a high school girlfriend would. Okay. What happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, because eventually they're going to die. You just hang them there as a memento. Oh. Let me ask you this, though, because this is... trying to get the most out of the roses while we have them. Well, yeah, but, you know, we're all going to die, Sam, eventually. This is, it's just what happens. The roses, me, you, Ben. It's a circle right. of life, man. I well, just, I, 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 well just, I realized I'd never been given roses before once okay. I got them. And so people on Twitter have been giving me tips on how to care for them. So I've cut a little bit off the of stems to, I don't know. They're doing well. Rejuvenate. They've, they've rejuvenated, actually, in the, today. And I, I dropped some aspirin. I was like using like a paper cl- like I was jamming a like some sort of like office supplies onto a thing of aspirin to crush it up and then throw that in the rose water because apparently that helps uh, stimulate or preserve growth. Um, I'm gonna hold on to these roses as long as I can. But anyway, thank you, Staten Island Yankees. Thank you, Scooter, so much for coming to visit me. And of course, you can read about it on the blog, bensbiz.emmablogs.com. And also, I'm single, so. Uh, you can get Please in touch with me. <laughs> Benjamin.hill at MLB.com. Um, ben, right. email me with your um, date proposals. For date proposals. And if I they will... also want to bring cannolis for the office. I mean, those cannolis were really good. Being, you know, I, I did not get the flowers, but I got the cannolis. The cannolis were, really cannolis good. were great, but I would prefer those are always people um, or become my girlfriends instead of uh, <laughs> cannolis. <laughs> People become my girlfriend. This, this is a personal preference thing, I guess, yeah. between me and Ben. This is, this is I really teed us up very well by discussing both Ben's and my existential angst. And this conversation has included, we're all going to die eventually, Sam. And I would prefer people become my girlfriends rather than... Okay, but I do have to ask you this. You're in New York City. I'm imagining that there was a partnership deal and this is the reason behind it. But why an Applebee's gift card? Uh, I think you just answered your own question. Okay, 100%. I figured... I figured. That- they, uh, you know, this was 
you know, I was a test run because Scooter went out on Valentine's Day proper the day after he visited me, did deliveries around Staten Island, and uh, an Applebee's gift card was part of the package. So in typical minor league baseball fashion, I don't think there's a specific Valentine's Day reason behind it, but that's one of their partners, and um, that was part of the package. There it is. He is Benjamin Hill. You can find the blog, bensbiz.mlblogs.com. You can follow Ben on Twitter. He is at bensbiz, and, uh, you know, we'll get him a date. And we'll get him some roses. We can do anything in this podcast. We can do- yeah, can we make that a recurring theme of the podcast? Is get ben- to have this podcast get me a date? Yeah, we could do that. Let's do it. I live in New York I- City. I know we've got that poll. I live in New York City. Make it happen. If you're I listening, I live in Ditmas Park, Brooklyn. You can take the Q train to my neighborhood. So uh- <laughs> the Q, which now connects to the Second Avenue subway, correct? Well, it doesn't connect. It just it, it, it is the second it, avenue. Somebody. Yeah. See, I know all these things. Being a non-New Yorker, New Yorker. No, I feel like Sam and I have that pull. If you are a listener, you know somebody who's also looking pull. for a date and uh, is in the the New York metropolitan area area and loves nice dudes who grow tremendous beards. Ben's your guy. Make it happen. Podcast at milb.com. Get in touch. Make it work. Please do. We'll hang out in Ditmas Park. We'll, we'll go down to Portelli Road and uh, hit all the hot spots. This is so fitting for Valentine's Day. We're going to find Ben Love. Thanks, Ben. You're welcome. a lot of fun this week on the minor league baseball podcast the show before the show get in touch with us podcast at milb.com you can also find us on twitter sam is at sam dykstra milb i am at tyler mon i'm doing my best to tweet about baseball things lately um also you can get in touch with benjamin hill and hunter harvey if you're so inclined ben is at ben's biz and hunter harvey our guest this week is at hunter harvey 35 uh that'll just about do it but sam had uh, something he wanted to toss in yeah, so we apparently, if we're talking about getting Ben on a date, like we've had pretty good success with people responding to what we're saying during Absolutely. the Ben's banter lately. Like, let, this was one of the weirdest tweets I think I've ever gotten. I think I woke up to it the other day. Uh, our our friend Vinny and Tyler, you want to try to tackle this last name? Nah, feel really bad. nah, because it's it's an Italian last name. I'm half Italian, and I'm going to butcher it, and then I will feel really bad about myself. But Vinny's last name is spelled S-C-I-A-S-C-I-A. Yeah, so Vinny, like, tweet back at us. Just tell us how you pronounce your last name. We don't want to yeah. do anything too bad. Anyway, so we talked last week during the Ben segment about, you know, the Reading uh, whoopies and a, a couple other things, and we were talking about you know, a game that was going to happen really early in the morning and who is going to eat a hot dog that early. So, you know, that was, was that part of the giveaway. For- if you bought a ticket for the game, you got a, a, a voucher for a hot dog and coffee. Right. <laughs> Which we thought, oh, is a strange thing. So Vinny decides to tweet us what looks like a Snapchat. I think it's a Snapchat. I'm not on Snapchat, so yeah, I could be wrong. Uh, of him eating a hot dog with the timestamp of 844 in the morning. Yeah. So and, and Vinny's hashtags are bright and early and dog a day. Yeah. Which I assume means I can't imagine that it means Vinny eats a hot dog for breakfast every day. But Vinny's obviously eating a hot dog a day. I, he's probably on some sort of challenge. That is Vinny you know. appears to be in college. And if he's eating a hot dog a day, I'm not sure he's going to make it to graduation day. <laughs> Vinny, hey, do you know I, what they put in hot dogs? I, I more or less that that episode in my college years. So. <laughs> But that's pretty amazing. But you'll make it through. That's pretty amazing. Between Vinny and the hot dogs and our boy listening on a Zoom. Yeah, we've had 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 pretty good good success on this. So if if we're going to put out the call to action, 
What? That's what's happening. We're getting Ben a date. We're getting Ben a date. That's yeah. our next thing. Uh, that's that's the next thing. Then we'll have like a, the New York Times write a, a trend piece on it. You know? <laughs> reoccurrences and we'll just be one day one day it'll be in the in the times wedding descriptions and it'll be started <laughs> by idiot podcast hosts tyler mon and sam dykstra benjamin hill found his bride yada 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 this will be yeah great. but we'll totally get to officiate that wedding absolutely absolutely we will we'll probably that... do it with a mascot oh man see look at this it's already coming yeah together. all right so so reach out whoever you are uh reach out through the review section for all, you know, to tie this yeah. back to the beginning segment. Yeah, do it. Uh, do it whatever you want to do. But that this is Valentine's week. Uh, let's let's end on a lovely note. Like and that. if you're listening in Fresno, um, tell Parker to be ready to officiate a wedding with Sam and I when uh, when the day inevitably comes that we find Ben's true love through the podcast. Because Parker, we as we remember last year, was just officiating weddings all over the place. Because in California, you can do that kind of fun stuff. So there we go. <laughs> There we go. So that'll do it for episode number 97 of the Show Before the Show podcast. Again, you can get in touch with this podcast at MILB.com, at Sam Dykstra, MILB on Twitter, and at Tyler Mon on Twitter. And we're uh, just a couple of weeks from a couple of weeks away from heading down to spring training, so you can send us your questions, your thoughts, your suggestions, all that kind of stuff. Let us know if you're going to be uh, in the Grapefruit League or Cactus League areas for spring training. And that will do it for this week. Give us a rating, give us a review, give us a subscription on iTunes, wherever else you find us, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>